0: This episode is not intended to give anyone medical advice. If you need medical advice, please consult with a doctor. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Oh yeah, hi. Uh, If I get vaccinated, can I stop wearing a mask or, you know, any mask at all? Like two or even one mask?
2: No. No. In fact, Dr. Fauci says you have to double up.
1: Oh. Okay. Uh, If I get vaccinated, will the restaurants, bars, schools, fitness clubs, and hair salons, will they reopen? And will people be able to get back to work like normal? No. Hmm. Okay. uh, Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, If I get vaccinated, will I be resistant to COVID?
2: Maybe we don't know exactly, but probably not. Oh, Dr. Bill Gates says you will more than likely need a third shot because it looks like just the two still don't meet the death quota.
1: Hmm. All right. If I get vaccinated, at least I won't be contagious to others, right?
2: No, the vaccine doesn't stop transmission.
1: Okay, then let me ask you this. If I get vaccinated, how long will the vaccine last?
2: No one knows. All COVID vaccines are still in the experimental stage.
1: If I get vaccinated, can I stop social distancing? No. If my parents... Grandparents and and myself all get vaccinated. Can we hug each other again? No. Can I ask you this? So what's the benefit of even getting vaccinated at all?
2: Hoping that the virus won't kill you.
1: Are you sure the vaccine won't injure or kill me? No. Are you sure? No. If statistically the virus won't kill me, it's got a 99.7 survival rate, why should I even get vaccinated?
2: To protect others.
1: So if I get vaccinated, I can protect 100% of people I come in contact
2: with? No.
1: Listen, if I experience a severe adverse reaction or long-term effects still unknown, or I die from the vaccine, will I or my family be compensated from the vaccine manufacturers or the government?
2: No, the government vaccine manufacturers have 100% zero liability regarding this experimental drug. Let me summarize the COVID-19 vaccine for you, sir. It doesn't provide immunity. It doesn't eliminate the virus. It does not prevent death. It doesn't guarantee you won't get it. It does not stop you from passing it on to others. It doesn't eliminate the need for travel bans, and it doesn't eliminate the need for business closures. It doesn't eliminate the need for lockdowns, (sighs) and it doesn't eliminate the need for masking. So, would you like me to set up your appointment?
0: This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. Man, we are back for season two. Ten episodes in. This is number 11. Are you excited?
3: I'm so excited.
0: All right. Well, kick us off. What are we doing?
3: Well, we're talking about the new vaccine, or shall I say, uh, gene therapy.
0: (laughs) Now, are they all gene therapy? I mean, it doesn't matter whether we're talking Moderna, um, Pfizer, or uh, J&J. Because this is J&J. It's a little different. It is is a
3: little different. There's like this extra bonus (laughs) (laughs) that you get with the J and J. J and J is also called the Jensen or the Jansen vaccine, but it's still gene therapy. But for this one, there's only one shot instead of two or three or how many? I don't know. I I don't know if Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates are gonna change their minds. Not sure. But um, it's one dose right now, and the other plus that we've heard is that you get you don't have to refrigerate it. in oh, yeah. super low temperatures. It doesn't yes, need yes. the
0: ultra cold storage, so that makes it a little bit uh, uh, more able to reach areas that are further away from medical establishments
3: right right and you know what is a huge plus i heard this week you may have heard of that too if you get any of those shots
0: you get a donut
3: <laughs> yes crispy cream donut for a whole year
0: now i i didn't Actually, know that you were necessarily going to bring that up. That that was a big topic of discussion. I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this might have seen that pop up in their social media feed because people were talking about it. And the way that I first heard about this was uh, within Telegram. I saw a uh, video that uh, a um, local like NBC affiliate had put up, and they did about a two minute spot where they focused in on what Krispy Kreme was doing to you know try to motivate people to go out and get their vaccination and that they were giving uh, basically a free one free glazed donut a day through the end of the year if you have your vaccination card with you and uh, what was nutty to me about that and actually I don't even believe in getting offended but but uh, if I was going to get offended then I would probably choose to get offended with this particular uh, thing but you know when you look at the 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 affiliates uh, or these local news stations you know they have a very limited amount of time to interact with their audience right because they're playing programming most of the time it's not like they're a 24 hour news uh, station and this news station chose to take you know two minutes out of their daily uh, um,
3: programming
0: well <laughs> their, their, their daily newscast to feature a private company uh, and a promotion that they were doing and and it does not promote health in any way, meaning uh, – uh, I mean, take the vaccine out of this, but eating a donut a day is not helping anyone build immunity. And remember, just as you heard from the little spoof that we played at the at the front end of the episode, uh, I mean, that spoof might be um, – Funny, but it's actually very accurate. They just kind of speak about it a little bit jokingly, and they're not providing immunity with this vaccination. And uh, here, Krispy Kreme is that basically tearing additional immunity away <laughs> yes. by you eating this crappy food <laughs> day in and day out. And and the point I was trying to make to some people on Facebook is that you know these this news company had an opportunity where they could have. Educated the public on uh, something that could have improved their immunity even outside of the vaccination, like, say, vitamin D. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like eight or nine out of 10 people that had died from COVID had a vitamin D deficiency, I think it was. And uh what was interesting 80%. 80%. So eight out of 10. And Uh, They could have educated people on how if they just go sit by their window in the sun with their torso exposed for, what, 15 or 20 minutes a day, that would give them the vitamin D production that they would need. They wouldn't even have to go out to GNC and buy vitamin D to take daily. They could actually just make it themselves by spending a little time in the sun. And that could have been the type of education that... The news spent that two minutes giving, but instead, no, it's a uh, promotion for a, a junk food company uh, around getting a vaccine that doesn't provide immunity.
3: I think they're essential. <laughs> I think
0: so. They're essentially Here's, bad. Get
3: your shot and then some diabetes to go with it. <laughs>
0: It's nutty. I, it's amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. And, and then what was even nuttier was some of the posts that people had made about it. And everybody's like, oh, I mean, but come on, it's donuts. It's donuts. Come on, it's donuts. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever.
3: <laughs> yes, it's sad. But um, we wanted to know more. I actually had uh, one of my practitioners that works with me uh, once a month or every six weeks. He's not taking patients anymore unless you wear a mask or he's going to go ahead and get the vaccine. And I was curious because he's in, you know, natural health and things of that nature. And he told me, well, I am leaning more towards uh, the Johnson & Johnson shot because it's more like a traditional vaccine. And then I have to go digging, right, to see, okay, that's interesting. I had not heard that, but let's see what those vaccines are about. So the AstraZeneca, also called the Oxford vaccine, that at some point might get authorized for emergency use, Um They are very similar.
0: Just to say, so you bring that one up. That Mm -hmm. one is available in Europe in some countries right Mm -hmm. now, but it is not available in the United States. In
3: the United States. And actually, it's actually been... Uh, banned yeah, from a ha- some countries. A handful of countries, yeah. Yeah, due to its side effects.
0: Some blood clotting issues, I yes, believe. Yes,
3: exactly. But they are very similar in nature. And why do people may get confused thinking that it's kind of like a traditional vaccine? The reason is that this vaccine use, uses an adenovirus. Uh, so it's an adenovirus-based vaccine, But the trick to it is that it also uses um,
0: DNA, isn't it?
3: Bioengineered viral vector technology. That's what they call it. It's very fancy wording. But the technology has been attempted in the past with HIV, Ebola, and anthrax, just like the other mRNA vaccines, even though this is not an mRNA vaccine, it's actually an engineered DNA that is edited in this virus. And why do they use this virus? Is because, well, adenoviruses are a large family of viruses. They're common in, according to germ theory, they uh, cause mild illness, like the common cold, sore throats, or stomach bugs. And these viruses specifically have double-stranded DNA that contains, so DNA contains instructions on how to make more of something. In this case, for this virus, it's double-stranded DNA, has instructions on how to make more of it. Nice. Yeah, so the brilliant idea of the scientists was um, to basically use this DNA and edit, right? So bioengineer it so it wouldn't reproduce But it would do something else that was interesting that I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But let me explain first, because this is going to be important to the conversation. What is the difference then between DNA, RNA, and protein? So DNA is the complete genetic blueprint. It is transcribed into mRNA, which is a temporary message to make something which is then translated into a protein. So a good analogy for you to understand this is, let's say DNA would be a cookbook. Okay, let's say a baking cookbook. Okay, then the mRNA would be a recipe in this baking cookbook. And the protein then will be like a cake that you made out of your recipe. So the finished product is the protein. So the end goal of these gene therapy vaccines is the same so it, it to introduce the cell in the, the cells in our bodies to make the spike protein of the coronavirus so like we talked about Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine it will come into the cells and then it will give instructions to the cell the synthetic mRNA will give instructions to the cell to make the spike protein which is the pathogenic a portion of the viruses so that uh, in hopes that your immune system would then have an immune response and, and eventually protect you, unfortunately they haven't been able to, to prove that to, to prove that with the trials um, because people are getting infected after they get the shots. But so while the moderna and the Pfizer vaccines um, have the mRNA already, so that's the active ingredient. Um, the Janssen and the AstraZeneca go a step earlier. So they use the adenovirus as a carrier of the synthetic DNA. So it contains the recipe, right, to produce the spike protein. Uh, so this is what the companies did. So they took the adenovirus DNA sequence and they edit it so they removed the sequences in it that have the instructions to make more viruses and then they inserted the sequences with instructions to make the spike protein so once the vaccine is injected the virus attaches to the cell and then in the cell we have endosomes which is a part of it it breaks the shell of the virus open and releases this dna this dna ends up in the nucleus of the cell and then is transcribed into the mrna and then this lee- this mRNA leaves the nucleus, then attaches to this other cell machinery called ribosomes. And then this machinery would then help make the protein. So the spike protein, which is the finished product. And that's what it does. And then hopefully... The immune system would do what they theorized that it would do. But so far, (laughs) there's no evidence.
0: Hopefully. It's big hope. Okay. Yeah,
3: for sure. And so I just wanted to remind everybody, again, emergency use authorization is different than being an approved drug. So it's still experimental. And it's under the 2005 PrEP Act. And because they are calling these vaccines, uh, this gene therapy, right, which is very different than a vaccine, but because they're calling it a vaccine, they also have immunity. So they are shielded by the- uh, Yeah,
0: legal immunity, yeah.
3: 1986 um, Vaccine Act.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and and it's interesting as well. We're talking about these vaccines and something that, that actually just dawned on me that I remembered that happened earlier in March. Um, was that Merriam-Webster's dictionary actually changed the definition of a uh, vaccine. Uh, so, you know, before they had only had the definition of what we had traditionally known vaccines to be as far as, you know, providing like a weakened or deadened uh, version of a pathogen for the body to uh, create an immune response to. And now they have since edited that uh, definition to include verbiage that... Uh, um, Uh, refers to the mRNA-type technology. And that's really important because um, what's essentially happened here is that we've taken a technology that's actually existed in development for at least several years, which has been called gene therapy. And uh, now we're taking that and we are putting the blanket of not only the branding of the word vaccine, but we're giving it the legal protections of vaccination as well, where you cannot go and sue the manufacturers directly you, you would have to go through a court case with the government and but i think on in this experimental stage here you're not even able to do that uh, right you
3: understand that it's experimental i mean i guess you you would understand if there was something called informed consent yeah given to you when you're about to receive it and we'll go more uh, into what that means um a little later but um Yes.
0: Well, well, and, and to me, it's it's uh, just really because I'm really interested in the mechanics, and when you talk about changing the definition of something, I mean, if you just want to talk about fairness, because I mean, it's so strange that we look at vaccines as different from pharmaceutical drugs anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not subject to the same safety testing measures. They're not subject to the same uh, legal procedures.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes, they're actually not tested for, it's a big word, carcinogenicity. So they're not tested like all the other drugs you see if they could cause cancer.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so, I mean, there's big gaps there. So we treat those different and now we're we're actually taking another technology which is totally different than traditional vaccination and we are putting it up under the umbrella of vaccination. And you know the reason they're doing that is because vaccination has this brand awareness, right? You talk about a vaccine, people have the, I would say most people have this Mm -hmm. warm, fuzzy feeling Mm -hmm. about a vaccine, you know, they're invincible, you can't get hurt from them, all of that. So now you've taken something that's completely Uh, different, and you've put it up under that umbrella, and people, you know, really, they think, hey, I don't have to do any research around vaccination. That's something I know that I'm okay having a blind spot too, because there's nothing wrong with it. And and if, if they went out and marketed this as gene therapy, you know that a lot of people would be asking a lot of questions like, wait a minute, I i don't know if I'm going to go get a gene therapy for this. I mean, what are the odds I'm even going to get this disease? And I'm going to go get yeah. a gene therapy. That sounds a little dramatic, you know? Yeah. So I think that's an important uh, designation. And it also, you know, just at least from what we've experienced in the past, you know, you um, know, you, the fact that you can't um, sue these manufacturers, you know, and here you, you can sue manufacturers for pharmaceutical drugs. You would most likely, from what I understand, you would be able to sue a gene therapy company if, mm-hmm. if they uh, did something negligent. Uh, but now that this has been brought up under this, uh, um, the, the the brand of vaccines uh you're not able to and that's just really startling to me and that's a an interesting for an
3: experimental for drug. an experimental
0: drug and in on that note Um, I'm noticing a lot of people in comments where people are saying, you know, are these FDA approved and people like, yeah, you know, all three of them are FDA approved. And then people come in and comment, you know, like, like us and say, well, no, they're not FDA approved. They're, they're approved for emergency use, which is a very, very different thing. And the actual, um, FDA approval for licensure uh, is the full-blown approval and that can't happen unless long-term studies occur. Uh, You know, they have to get through the full clinical trial and and if you look at the data on all of these vaccines the clinical trials don't end until 2022 2023 in some mm-hmm. cases and and we are the, part
3: of the experiment we
0: are part of that experiment so when people say they're not approved they're not you, you can go in and look at the information on all these the documentation and it says no no vaccines have been approved by the FDA they've only been approved for emergency use so that is a key Differentiation, uh, keep that in mind.
3: Mm-hmm. So, for the Janssen and Janssen, uh, Johnson and Johnson, Janssen, uh, Janssen and vac- Janssen <laughs> vaccine, how do we know that it is actually not preventing infection? Uh, and we'll play a, a little clip in, the, in, the, in a bit, but um, the trials and what was presented to DFTA basically said that on the vaccinated group, it's, it still had patients that tested positive for um COVID 14 and 28 days after the shot so when we hear the words is safe and effective none of this has proven first of all safe and effective there are side effects to them and we'll go over them um uh, and also there is infection after you receive the shot. the best that they can actually like the moderna and, and Pfizer vaccines, the best they can promise is immune suppression. And what is immune suppression is when you uh, have reduced symptoms. So it doesn't mean you are not sick. you just have um, you just have less symptoms.
1: Yeah.
0: So, (laughs) shall shall
3: we talk about the ingredients?
0: Yeah. Why don't we go through those quickly just so people have some visibility?
3: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting when, um, people say, you know, I'm going to get the vaccine or I got the vaccine. Usually if people got the vaccine, like I don't even say a word because I'm like, okay, like
0: what's done is done.
3: (laughs) What is done is done. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to scare you or, um, tell you things that might not be helpful to you at that point. Um, but um, I forgot what else well, to go with that.
0: Uh, uh, well, but I, I would say, <laughs> as even as you just mentioned that, you know, I, I think it can still be beneficial for them to know about it because, you know, if they're having any um, things that pop up as far as symptoms, you know, they may not have been given a thorough Discussion as far as oh, here. Oh, no. There here, was no discussion. Yeah, here, here, here are things to look for, and if you feel any of these things, Take then, some then, on. That, <laughs> You could come, come in, and, and so that we can, uh, you know, give you an assessment, and, and, uh, So, I mean, to me, it is still useful to warn people who've had the vaccine after the fact because, uh, you know, a lot of people might not draw the conclusion, you know, Mm -hmm. that these are symptoms that are coming from that shot because they're not expecting to get any of those.
3: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because most of um, the people in my circle that have gotten the vaccine had described side effects like sleepiness for days. Um, they've gotten sick. They've gotten the cold. They were in bed for several days. They felt uh, pretty crappy, but they um, don't really see the big deal on yeah. I even had some uh, friends actually took time off from work when they went to get the second dose because the first dose was so hard on them that they knew that they're not going to be able to work and after the second dose. But it's interesting, there's no, not really an association to, okay, like you're uh, putting something in your body that's making you sick. Shouldn't that like bring some alarm bells <laughs> that maybe that something wasn't uh, very, uh, very helpful <laughs> or a very good idea?
0: No, remember that means it's working.
3: Oh, it means <laughs> that it's working, okay, all right. But let's talk about the ingredients then for the J&J vaccine. And we'll talk about the AstraZeneca when it comes on the market.
0: It yeah, yeah, don't, don't have to worry about it. about it here in the U.S. because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not uh, over here right now. But if when it does, we'll make sure to jump into it then. But I will note that there is plenty of information about what's happening in Europe uh, that is cycling around the uh, interwebs, so lots of stuff around the blood clotting issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, at least five countries have taken it off the market there mm-hmm. because of the issues that they've had. So know that it is not, even, even though some countries have given it a, quote clean bill of, of safety some uh,
3: countries have said it's worth sacrificing some lives
0: yeah i, I think that was in the uh so norway, nether was it norway norway or the netherlands i can't remember mm-hmm. it might have been norway so they
3: recognize that people are dying but
0: they're saying that they're you're giving like
3: yourself like the pandemic the if we only save one life you know and now we're here we're killing some people it's okay it's worth it to sacrifice those those people um but this vaccine has um the replication incompetent adenovirus um it's called in the in the label uh, type 26 expressing the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein has citric acid monohydrate trisodium citrate dehydrate ethanol Uh, And this one is a hard one too, hydroxypropyl beta-cyclodextrin, HBCD. It has polysorbate 80, and this is the one that um, is worrisome because this ingredient in particular is in some chemotherapy drugs. And what it does is actually open the junctions of the lining, uh, the lining of your organs, of your gut, and the, uh, the the blood brain barrier, which you know, then you might get some stuff in it the brain through. that maybe you don't want it to get to get there. Well, and, it could and be it's important.
0: It's important to note why polysorbate eighty is in those. It's it's basically in there to keep um, certain components of the vaccine from sticking to the inside of the bottle. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why they add that so it's not even necessary for when it's in your body really mm-hmm. at all it, it's so that it, it, it uh, does not stick to the inside of the, the shot bottle or the uh, syringe so um, and, it, and it has some very big consequences of what it can do inside your body so uh, yeah
3: so this epithelia of oh, I think this so this lining this this film that you have that protects um, your organs uh, and it lets, For example, for your gut, it will let things that are supposed to get in, like nutrients from the food that you consume, into the bloodstream, uh, and it will keep other things out. So um, toxins, for example, not going to let that in, but when you add in this ingredient, what happens is then this lining is actually stretched, and then... You get, for chemotherapy, an example, you get the poison in, in the organs where, it, you know, it needs to shrink tumors and things like that. So, and that's when we talk about adjuvants in, in uh, common vaccines, right, like aluminum and mercury, you know, getting to the brain because of polysorbate 80.
0: And uh, don't forget about sodium chloride. Oh, yeah, well.
3: sodium chloride, yes. Um uh, and, it, the, and then should we talk about efficacy then
0: yeah go ahead jump in but I was gonna, I, I was gonna mention um, and maybe you mentioned this later but you know the J and J was one of the ones that uh, different from the moderna and Pfizer that it it uh, F- fetal cells were actually used that's in the right. production, right? And and uh, there is a chance for some of that uh, DNA to pass through. There's a very
3: well. It's that, that's not so much the issue because that's still that would still be human DNA, right? We're not talking about animal, other species. But the ethical concern is that okay, like these are aborted babies, you know, in the in the 70s actually, and you're still using those cell lines. Um, to culture the virus. Um, and for some people, like in religions, like Catholicism or... It can be problematic. As, and even for humans, I mean, this is just a little disturbing to think that we're using...
0: But that is a differentiation from the Moderna and the Pfizer. Mm-hmm, so um, yes. just want to so make sure we draw that distinction. That
3: are diff- I mean, of course, the ingredients are different. But once is that this is an earlier stage, then we're not inserting the rna we're actually inserting a genetically engineered dna that eventually will get um transcribed into the rna and then translate into the spike protein and um it's one shot right and then it also uses the uh, aborted fetus um, cell lines as a culture so then uh, we can talk about, oh, actually, let's play that clip.
0: Now, which clip? Can you set it that up is, a little bit?
3: Yeah, that is the high wire, our favorite Dell, and they are talking about the trials for the G&J. All
0: right, let's do it.
4: So let's go right into their briefing document. This is from the FDA. This is the information that they use for that emergency use authorization and let's talk vaccine efficacy. So it says in here, this is in the executive summary, uh, vaccine efficacy against central laboratory confirmed moderate to severe critical COVID-19 was 66.9% when considering cases occurring at least 14 days after a single dose of vaccination and 66.1% when considering cases occurring at least 28 days after vaccination. Now here we get into the numbers. For the vaccine and placebo group respectively, there were 116 and 348 COVID nineteen cases that occurred at least fourteen days after vaccination. So to be clear, 66- one hundred
5: and sixteen people contracted COVID-19 or, or SARS-CoV-2, the infection, after receiving the vaccine in the vaccine group. I mean, I get why the placebo uh, group is 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 getting infected, but there you have it, 116 people only 14 days. Uh, incredible admission, really, when you think about the job of a vaccine is supposed to be stopping the, uh, your ability to get the infection. All right. read the rest of it.
4: Right. And uh, 66, uh, 28 days later in the vaccine group compared to 193 in the placebo group. But um, looking through this, I want to draw uh, people's attention to another part of this. This is table 13. And this shows after 28 days after uh vaccination the very bottom line here it's highlighted this is over 60 yes that means comorbidities yes uh, typically the comorbidities were mostly obesity and hypertension here but this is the this is a group of people that we're told is the most susceptible to COVID 19 or to uh to mortality uh right. associated with that virus and if you go all, all the way to the end to the right vaccine efficacy is 42.3% 28 days later. So we're talking less than a coin toss on that. And that's from, right the, from there, the data. Stay right there because
5: Jeffrey, I, you know, I, we could talk to some epidemiologists, but I was always told if you are crossing a negative line into a positive line, that means that this science is really not even dependable. You shouldn't be going from negative 13 to plus 71. As soon as you cross that zero line, you really got to question the science altogether, but they don't do that anymore. Now, it's like, well, we'll still just average it out, but that's a gigantic spread when you look at that. And in many ways we have to ask right. ourselves, is this thing effective at all?
4: Right. right, we're talking confidence intervals at that point and yeah. how confident are they? Right. Uh, so let, <laughs> let's talk about some of the data gaps though. And again, this, this rhymes with Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines. So in the data gaps, here's the list of what we can't extrapolate from this data. Duration of protection, effectiveness in certain populations at higher risk of severe COVID-19 effectiveness in individuals previously infected with SARS-CoV-2. By the way, that's 29 million people in the US that have had right. positive cases. Um, effectiveness in pediatric populations, vaccine effectiveness against asymptomatic eff- uh, infection, uh, vaccine effectiveness against long-term effects of COVID-19, vaccine effectiveness against mortality. And here we go, the effectiveness against transmission of SARS-CoV-2. So we don't know if this thing stops transmission. Well, no
5: doubt. Well, we know that it doesn't stop the infection because right away at 14 days, we pointed out what did you have like 150 something and then 65 are still being infected at 28 days. Meaning this vaccine is not stopping the infection. If it can't stop the infection, it would stand to reason it's not going to stop transmission. But nobody seems to care, you know, no matter how many times we point that out with Moderna and Pfizer, And, of course, you have a lower efficacy rate even on this Johnson & Johnson. But the whole thing is it's one shot, right? I think people will put up with that sort of drop um, in in the effectiveness if they can get it down to one shot. Because I don't know if you saw this. Did you see – Uh, ben stein the famous ben stein when he was talking about having just received his second shot of moderna vaccine i mean i think this video alone might just drive everybody to johnson and johnson take a look at this
1: a word of warning to
5: you my fellow americans or whatever you are i had the COVID booster the moderna about uh, four or five days ago and i am still feeling wild side effects from it like I had the worst flu in the world, extreme shortness of breath, a dizziness, fatigue, extremely irrational thinking. Uh, and it has just been devastating. I'm glad I got it, sort of glad. I, I don't know, a little bit glad and also not quite so glad. Uh, but it has just got to be told to the people us people we people us people that this booster is a killer i mean it's not going to kill you literally but it is very very strong beware i I can imagine execs you know around moderna saying what's going on that is not what we paid ben stein to say a what he didn't accept our money he doesn't need our money oh snap (laughs)
4: He was that close to being censored forevermore by saying it was a killer. He said, "Oh, I got to correct that because Twitter's (laughs) going to take me off." It was a killer.
5: (laughs) By the way, I mean, bears numbers are probably up too, right? Well, we we're up above a thousand now. Uh, Here it is, the actual bears numbers: one thousand ninety-five reported deaths um, as of this week from COVID-19. Now, obviously, that needs to be investigated. We're not saying that those are actual deaths, but they are reports. And as we've said before, VAERS uh, has proven to be un- underreported, as is proven by that study by Harvard Medical School that said that VAERS is capturing less than 1% of the total amount of injuries. Whether that's 1%, 10%, uh, 1,000 people you know, is too many and if it's more than that, God help us all. But let's get back, let's stay with Johnson and Johnson. I just wanted to throw that in there because I think you're going to see the idea that if I'm going to get sick, I only want to do it once. That second shot sounds like a doozy. We've talked about those headlines, but really the effectiveness is down, and we still don't know about safety. You know, what are the long-term effects? If it's not stopping infection, it's not stopping transmission. Um, What about antibody-dependent enhancement? I mean, certainly that's gotta be a similar issue to Moderna and Pfizer too.
4: Right, and there are some risks and unknown data gaps with the safety. Very similar, um, similar wording, similar issues. And let's take a look at this. And I feel this is so important to go over because the the media and even the CDC are so gung-ho about uh, especially uh, vaccinating pregnant women. But this is what the data says. Uh, safety in certain subpopulations there are currently insufficient data to make conclusions about the safety of the vaccine in subpopulations such as children less than 18 years of age pregnant and lactating individuals and their infants and immunocompromised individuals it uh, mm-hmm. goes on to say adverse reactions that are very uncommon or that require longer follow-up to be detected obviously that's kind of like a no duh and right. then we have the vaccine enhanced disease that's the antibody
5: dependent enhancement right. Um, so unknown risk really- about that. It happened to be a risk for every animal and every animal. I just keep wanting to point this out because, you know, like, I'll see guys like Peter Hotes saying these guys just play whack-a-mole. They bring up these issues and make you try to prove a uh, a negative. You can't prove a negative, whatever it is. But this isn't some. Enhancement issues. We're not like pulling it out of thin air and saying, "Well, I mean, you know, what about leprosy?" I remember um, we saw that with Stanley Are you going to ask me if it causes leprosy? No. I'm going to ask you if it's causing the problem we saw in every animal trial. You tried these things
3: in every animal trial. We've tried these things on. Yeah, so, and we've talked
0: about uh, yes. immune enhancement. and Antibody
3: uh, dependency enhancement. So when you find the virus in, when the animals found the virus in the wild, they died.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting we skipped animal trials with these uh per Fauci at uh, last summer he announced that now supposedly with um I think Pfizer they're doing a animal trial alongside this yes, rollout. Yes. Um which I think is interesting because uh I had seen another um interview with a doctor who's kind of involved with some of the stuff and and uh, he said well we're not seeing any problems in this side-by-side animal study. However, we're not allowed to see that data and we, we we're not going to see it until it concludes. So we're continuing to get the vaccine and, you know, all of these uh, companies, uh, especially Pfizer, you know, they, they have, uh, uh, you know, been found guilty of fraud in, you know, data uh, mishandling uh and, and misrepresentation on pharmaceutical drugs but again we're supposed to just throw that record out the window when it comes mm-hmm. to vaccines no one can do any wrong with the vaccine so we don't we don't have access to that animal con- uh, study data as it's in uh, progress
3: yep so let's talk about the side effects real quick they touched the video touched on it or the audio touched on it um but like the modern and Pfizer, you have pain redness um, the injection site reaction, right? Pain, redness... Of skin and swelling, general side effects: headaches, feeling very tired, muscle aches, nausea, and fever. Now, for Moderna and Pfizer, the data that we saw had like percentages attached to them. While the uh, data, it seems like they're getting the data is getting skimpier and skimpier <laughs> <laughs> as you get more more vaccines available. Uh, severe allergic. Oh, so so uh, the general side effects: so headache, feeling very tired, muscle aches, nausea, and fever. Severe allergic. Reactions, difficulty breathing, isn't that what you get with COVID? And then you go to the hospital and get breathing you. is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yep, swelling of your face and throat, fast heartbeat, bad rash all over the body, dizziness and weakness. Uh, and just some reminders. So again, no short, long, long-term studies. Uh, so trials are limited. Um, we have been been keeping tabs on VARES, So the vaccine adverse. Uh, how do you say that again?
0: Vaccine um, adverse reaction uh, reporting system.
3: Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, and one more. Oh, yeah. We already talked about this. But one more thing to consider this vaccine is that it is produced with aborted derived cell lines. Um, so we've been hearing so much about vir- virtual signaling, right? Via acts of wearing a mask, staying away from family and friends are going to get your vaccine. It's a symbol that we care. (laughs) But, I mean, then we talk about heart immunity, right? People are saying, okay, if everybody wears a mask, then it works. Or if everybody gets the vaccine, then it works. But this concept is contrived. Because after all, if your immune system is protecting you against a pathogen, it really doesn't matter whether someone else's is or not. Right? Because then you are not sick. You are and you're not going to be contagious to other people. So um, yeah, I don't I don't get that. Uh, but the question on everyone's mind is if not the gene therapy or the vaccine, ventilators, expensive drugs, masks, social distancing bla- um, blasting ourselves with uh, in our space with all these harmful chemicals. Um, how else can we prevent COVID?
0: Yeah. And we want to make sure that we threw some ideas out there so that people weren't just getting bad news. (laughs) They they actually had some strategies they could implement. I know
3: we've been promising this for a long time, but we just wanted to talk about some of the alternative treatments that are available. So there are some drugs that we talked about in the past, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Uh, the uh, That one have been demonized in the media, but then all the studies that were demonizing were actually retracted. We have talked about that. And, and,
0: and actually, I, I wanted just anecdotally to share an experience. One of the, our listeners uh, had said that uh, they had... Um, actually gotten a, a prescription for ivermectin uh, and uh, from their, their doctor, and they went in to get that prescription filled, and the individual at the pharmacy, pharmacy told them... Or the them,
3: pharmacist. <laughs> or it
0: was actually the pharmacist, but they uh, actually misrepresented who they were initially uh, and lied. Um, but then uh, essentially, they, they asked, you know, well, why do you need this medication? And uh, not really thinking anything of it, the individual said, well, you know, for COVID. And uh, the pharmacist told him, well, we're not allowed to uh, give this medication out for COVID. Even though that medication is approved for off label use, it has a long standing safety record, and uh, doctors are able to. Uh, prescribe medication for off-label use if they have looked at the patient and decided that you know the, the uh, there could be some potential benefits and there really is no uh, risk profile associated. So so now you know that that uh, something that's never happened before in medicine, which is that a, a doctor now is not able to prescribe off-label on specific medications related to COVID, um, and that's pretty wild to think yeah, about and
3: cheap medication and it's very right? cheap yeah yeah so it's
0: not costing <laughs> Compared them any to money or
3: re- how do you say that remdesivir remdesivir yeah. and whatnot but anyway so these uh tips were uh came from the essential guide to covet by the v revealed um series if you guys haven't um seen the series all about the vaccines uh, we're going to put a link in our notes. It's, uh, it was very informative and very helpful. So they have a guide um, that comes if you purchase the, um, the series. But number one, they had vitamin C there. And we talked about vitamin C in the past because it promotes production of uh, leukocytes, which are white blood cells. Um, and also, they are a powerful antioxidant. Uh, most people can take uh, safely take 200 milligrams of vitamin C. Um, you, if you were just buying at the store, look for buffered vitamin C because it's gentler on your GI tract. Because vitamin C can upset your tummy a little bit. So, for best results, you can start. And, and remember, at the beginning of the episode, we said. For medical advice, please consult your doctor. So we're just here to give some tips. Um, but you can start with 800 to 1,000 milligrams per day uh, or as tolerated. Um, and we can say our favorite brand is Inner C. I mean, we have no affiliation with the manufacturer of this. But that's so you can buy in any health food store. Um, next is vitamin D. And vitamin D is nicknamed the sunshine vitamin. It's fat-soluble vitamin that's produced when we spend time in the sun. And it's also available uh, with specific foods like eggs, fish, and plants. So plant food. Um, there was a study that came out of—I mean, there were several studies really about vitamin D, but this specific one, a uh, specific one out of Indonesia last year, uh, studied 790 patients who were admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 diagnosis. Uh, if their vitamin D level was below 19.5, so 19.5 nanograms per milliliter, every one of them died. And if their vitamin D was above 31.5, none of them died. So it's very interesting. Pretty good indicator. Yeah. So for every one point, so the study found for every one point, your vitamin D levels goes um, up. There is a reduction of 1.6% in your likelihood of testing positive for COVID. So it helps fuel your immune system uh, to respond appropriately to... um, and disease uh, by most doctors and lab standards, the acceptable range is between 20 and 40 nanograms per millil- milliliter. Below 20 you were considered efficient but in our experience, um, 80 is uh, you know 80 and above is really ideal especially for respiratory issues and the reason we say that is I had I've had bronchitis, our oldest had uh, a cough. For long spells, you know, months in the past. And when we got his vitamin uh, D up uh, above 80, like all this went away. Um, Another thing to talk about is probiotics. So terrain theory, we love terrain theory. So when the terrain in your body is in good standing, your immune system is strong. So when we're talking about the terrain, we're talking about the microbiome. So all the microbes that live in your body Remember, if your cells produce about 20,000 genes, your microbiome produces between 2 and 20 million. So a lot more instructions to regenerate your body and keep you healthy. And also it helps with leaky gut. And leaky gut is an issue of when uh, you don't have a strong microbiome in your gut. This microbiome protects the lining of your intestine uh, to letting things um, getting through or getting absorbed that shouldn't, like uh, chemicals, uh, poisons, toxins. So when this microbiome is um, weak, then your immune system is always on hyper alert and is always overworked. So fermented foods are great um, to increase your to make your microbiome stronger. And then just off the shelf probiotics, and you can find probiotics at any health food store. Another one is zinc, which is a mineral essential nutrient that the body requires a constant supply of through diet and supplementation. And it it is shown in studies that 80 to 92 milligrams a day could reduce the length of the common cold by 33%. Uh, Melatonin is another one. Sleep is when our body restores, regenerates, detoxes. And as you get older, this hormone production reduces in our body. So getting some supplementation if you're not a great sleeper might help you sleep better and also has some anti-inflammatory and antiviral properties
0: well i mean and who really needs anyone to tell you twice about going and getting more sleep i mean mm-hmm. we're always probably looking for an excuse to do that just turn netflix off quit watching tv into the late hours <laughs> of the of the evening <laughs> or just
3: playing your computer yeah
0: or playing which just,
3: we're doing right now
0: <laughs> just go to bed get that sleep and it will help your immune system
3: yes um lastly an anti-inflammatory diet guys is one simple method of fortifying your body against COVID and any illness really is reducing inflammation, and that begins with your diet. So no Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay, <laughs> uh, sugar it. is highly inflammatory. Sugar, uh, refined foods. So all you need to do is replace those uh, sugary treats and refined foods with whole. Nutrient-rich foods like your fruits and vegetables, your meats, good good source meats, your eggs, your fish. With a, try to get it without uh, mercury, <laughs> which is hard, but it can be done.
0: So you're saying just maybe one donut a week?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I say no donuts ever.
0: <laughs> Have some glazed broccoli.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that would help either. Anyway, so that's the Essential Guide to COVID. And also another source that we used was the AmericanFrontlineDoctors.com, which we have a friend that has an 80-year-old mother. She came down with the symptoms of COVID-19. And she actually did not take her um, to the hospital she just went to the American Frontline doctors and uh, got a consult with them and got um, I think it was ivermectin that they yeah prescribed. you can you
0: can do that uh, all via an online application yeah. and you know it's very inexpensive and then you can get those prescriptions
3: Oh yeah and for vitamin D for you to know your level, of course, you can go to your GP, your practitioner, and get it tested. But there's also kits you can buy online. And um, they're very simple to do. I think you kind of spit in the cup and send it out. Yeah,
0: and I, we looked at the price of those. You know, they were anywhere from like 60 to $85.
3: Yep. And that was your guide to preventing disease in COVID-19.
0: Excellent, excellent. And then, you know, really just trying to find... Uh, um, some additional peace, right? So just meditation, mm-hmm. just just uh, trying to de-stress, de- de-
3: be nature, breathe in fresh air.
0: Yeah, self care. If you're not doing self care, then you're you're really not taking care of yourself, and that's something regardless of whether you're in a pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. You know, you really should be taking time out for yourself, uh, at least a few minutes a day to you know
3: scrunch-, scrunch
0: your toes in the grass or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, kind of sure. ground yourself.
3: Yeah, for sure. So. I wanted to talk about some takeaways because we've been talking about this since we um, started recording the podcast. Some just interesting things to note about the pandemic and what's going on in the world. So Leo and I have thought that there's something, should I say a little or a little off or like really off about what's going on? Sure. (laughs) Sure. So, uh, we the people, or Leona and, and many of our friends, uh, actually, a larger and larger community is, has been questioning what's happening um, with the pandemic. So, for starters, okay, and I have a, a few bullets. One of them, the first one, I guess, is oh, there was no proper virus isolation to establish causation. And it seems like even with the people that are questioning, you know, the researchers, the scientists, the doctors are questioning, there seems like there's different camps of people that are more like, okay, no, it's germ theory. This was created in a lab and escaped and made people sick. Where other, um, another line, another camp is saying, well, that was scurvy, you know. and For 300 years, we, didn't, we thought scurvy was contagious. And then one day, one doctor uh, gave some, uh limes and oranges to to sailors and they got better and they figured out that was a nutritional deficiency and we talked about vitamin d as well but 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 the 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 whole issue here is that yes okay is there a virus out there some people say yes other people say uh well we we haven't isolated so that's what you hear is been sequenced like when you say it hasn't been isolated meaning you haven't really said okay there's this virus here let's see if it actually causes what we think that it causes nobody has really looked anywhere else.
0: If you dive into that deeper, what you find is that uh, within science, they've actually, we were talking about changing the definition of vaccine Mm -hmm. and uh, we've dove in around uh, the definition of isolation and so Mm -hmm. uh, you have a lot of scientists in virology who use the term isolation, but Mm -hmm. uh, when you actually go to how they define it, they're not actually isolating the complete virus, you know, it actually still has other things things in the sample, which by most normal people's definition of isolation as we know it, there would be nothing else in the sample besides the virus. But mm-hmm. what they've done is they've shifted the the definition to include these other components. And so what that means is is that uh, you can't rule out that those other things aren't involved in the mix as well. So uh, it, it kind of clouds this discussion a little bit, but I think it's quite intriguing if, if people would dive in and, and kind of learn the science around uh, virology and 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 how they uh, uh, they prove causation and whatnot.
3: Mm-hmm. And vitamin D, you know, nutritional deficiency. Clearly, there is a, a a relationship there. So, not saying that vitamin D is it. I mean, there's.
2: we yeah, do, there if are you no guys silver are bullets.
3: Cu- yeah, if you guys are uh, curious, we have an episode called uh, "Is Sickness the Problem or the Solution." We talk all about that in that episode in detail.
0: But I think that's an important. Um, uh, thing to dive in just for a second is around that, you know, we're not saying ivermectin is the silver bullet, hydroxychloroquine is the silver bullet, vaccines are the silver bullet. We're saying that there is a uh, a potential mixture and just like health and diet for any individual it could be a different mix for everybody because mm-hmm. you know you may have great vitamin d levels but you may be weak in other areas right mm-hmm. you may not do any physical exercise and your body's in a, a state where it, it's it's uh,
3: uh or if, you use heavy chemicals in your yeah
0: heavy chemicals in, your, in home. your household you don't you're not you're not somebody who gets to get out in in uh, nature and, and breathe in what's happening in the natural biome of the world whatnot. So, you know, there are a lot of different aspects of this. You may be in a polluted area, a very, very right? polluted area mm-hmm. versus living out in the country. With where, heavy
3: agriculture, so a lot of glyphosate spraying.
0: Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of variables. And so you really have to assess your situation and look where your weaknesses and strengths, in, not only in your environment, but in your own uh, daily habits are.
3: Yeah, so sketchy thing number one to remember no proper virus isolation to establish causation now sketchy thing number two the heavy censorship
0: Yeah, censorship is, uh, I I would say that ought to make everyone's radar go up. Anytime you see that, I I think if we look through history, uh, the people who were on the side of good (laughs) were typically not the people that, actually, I would say they were never the people who were censoring information. So you have to really ask yourself, well, why do we feel that censorship is actually a tool for good now? Um, They've certainly done a good job marketing that it is a, a tool for good but uh they haven't really made the case for why that's necessary now when it's been railed against in the past so so again we don't have to dive into that you guys all know what's happening with censorship but i mean uh uh, again you just have to ask yourself when did we ever say censorship was a good thing
3: Or when were you supposed to profit from a pandemic
0: yeah yeah (laughs) exactly
3: (laughs) okay so sketch thing number three the avoidance or a violation of civil laws and the Constitution under the guise of the emergency use authorization, governments and business businesses are now apparently making their own rules, completely ignoring civil rights and the Constitution.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could, we really probably need to do a whole episode around mm-hmm. this piece but yeah it's just important for people to understand that we really have a bullying situation going on where you know we've even uh, come yes. across it where where individuals don't even want to read the documentation when they are espousing things that are incorrect and that are anti to the constitution and so uh when you can't even present the information to show hey no look i actually have the right to do this um or you have to make an accommodation uh uh, for me in this respect and they don't even want to look at the documentation they just want to use a firm uh language and behavior to force you to do what they want
3: i said they're private business and they can do whatever they want
0: yeah and and we all know that's incorrect but we're seeing that everywhere it's just i'm we're just going to use use terse language and bad attitudes to, you know, we're basically, we're going to motivate with unhappiness for, yeah. to, for, to get what we want and uh,
3: intimidate you.
0: Intimidation. So you you do know.
3: what we say. <laughs> we're talking
0: about the mask. <laughs> we're talking about a, a, a lot of stuff, but right now, yeah. Pre- predominantly
3: mask. Okay. sketchy thing number four. Uh, the emergency use authorization has turned human experimentation possible, but emergency use, authorization is very different from approval like we're talking about in a little bit uh, a little bit ago so for those of you that don't know we are protected by uh, HHS so health human services federal policy protection of human subjects so I'm talking here about informed consent okay so AHS CFR part 46 section 46.116 so this is the general requirements for informed consent. So if you are required to wear, let's say, a mask or take a shot, it is required by law that you get an explanation of the risks and benefits, as well as what are the alternative treatments. So we have alternative treatments pretty much being censored left and right, and um, but if you do go get your shot, or you are asked to wear a mask, you need to have information to go along with this, like the risks of wearing a mask for long periods of time. For example, some those masks have micro, nanoparticles of plastic that end up in your lung and then studies have been shown to cause uh, lung cancer, or you get uh, carbon dioxide toxicity because now you're not getting fresh air, now your body's going to stress, cortisol levels go up, your immunity is suppressed, so you're more likely from getting sick, so nobody's really giving you that information, so that's pretty sketchy. But if you go get your shot, and you get the the lay of the land, okay, what are the risks versus the benefits of this thing that's been injected in me? You, by law, uh, have to be provided this information, and you have a right of refusal. So nobody can force you to take a shot. Nobody can force you to wear a mask.
0: Hey, and something I just want to notate is that uh, the whole reason that they have what's called this... um, emergency use authorization is because we are in a state of emergency as a, as a nation and realize that uh, these two things are tied together at the hip. So if they want to keep giving the vaccines that have not been, Fully approved with licensure by the FDA, they have to keep the United States in what is called a state of emergency. So uh, just realize that they cannot take us out of state of emergency if these vaccines are going to continue to be given out. So even though we may have case counts that go down uh, and uh, uh, states reopen overall, they're going to keep us in a state of emergency on paper so that they can continue to deliver these with liability protection under the PREP Act. So that's a, that's a key thing to keep in mind here. Mm-hmm. They're linked, and they can't get rid of one without the other.
3: Mm-hmm. So that was a sketchy thing, number five. There's no liability. It's experimental, and this is why informed consent is so important. So you need to be given that information when you're receiving, when you are being asked to do things that could harm you. So there's no liability from manufacturers. There's no liability from um, the lab or the the place you go to get a shot or the restaurant that's telling you to go ahead and put your mask on. Um, they are protected. And if you get hurt, the liability is a hundred percent yours. Sketchy thing number six: death.
0: Death. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, that's very dramatic. I'm
3: <laughs> talking about deaths. You know, the death count. Okay. So who has heard of people getting into a car, motorcycle accident, and then having it written in their uh, death certificates that they died of COVID?
0: I've I've, I've heard of that. I'm raising my hand.
3: Yeah, okay. So, um, your common cold now is COVID. Your seasonal allergies is COVID. Uh, A narrative or crisis of attention is also an increase in immune deficiency or suppression uh, by the adopted measures. Like you have lockdowns, you have fear, you have masks. I mean you have Krispy Kreme now, you You have, there is so much contributing to, um, to, to the deaths. And I mean, and at the end of the day, um, we have people come up to us and ask, okay, so if it is not a virus, what could be causing what we're seeing? And the truth is that it is not our job to tell people. What is causing this pandemic? We're, we're no experts. We're, we're not clinicians. We're not researchers. We're, we're citizens of the world, you know, that know how important it is to take ownership and take responsibility for yourself. The government's not going to save you. The FDA is not going to save you. The CDC is not going to save you. Um, the new president is not going to save you. Like, it's your responsibility as a citizen of the world and as a human to look out for yourself and take care of yourself, take care of this body that you were given. Um, And know what your rights are. So um, we might not know for sure 100% what's causing all this but what we do know that there's some really sketchy things happening
0: <laughs> yeah I mean and that's really you You should certainly I mean we, we've named a, a number of things and, and maybe not all of those things are going to be hot buttons for every person listening but I mean if you grabbed on to a couple of things you know you got to ask yourself okay well, well why the hell does this exist you know, what, mm-hmm. what, you know why is this happening this way um, and and, and uh, what I've also noticed when uh, I review information from uh, people who are on the, uh, you know, the, the narrative side, the narrative that's being pushed uh, by by medicine and whatnot, is is Stop really not by
3: medicine, by mainstream media and technocrats technocr- Well, techno- but, but but mainstream tec- medicine, ma- mainstream medicine, really. But How do you say that word? Technocracy? Technocracy. Technocracy.
0: But but my point is is that uh, it's not. Um, that they are i hate to even use the word debunking because they're they just don't even bring the stuff up you know like you talk about um antibody dependent enhancement you talk about immune escape uh you know they're not even bringing these things up when i see some of these press conferences and these you know i saw a video the other day of a of a um it was it was all about uh how Christian science, not Christian scientists, but I mean scientists that are Christian, they they look to this uh, this one individual who's uh, he even works with Fauci and and uh, he's kind of disseminating information. You know, here's how you can look at it from a Christian perspective, and and uh, he's walking through the things to know. And I was like, wow, look at all of the things that he didn't even mention, but they are what is circling the, the other side of this left and right, rather than telling the scientists, look, here's what's being brought up on the other side. Here's why that's wrong. He just ignored it. He just said, Oh, they're just conspiracy theories. They're just, it's just junk. You don't want to pay any attention to it. Just pay attention to things we talked about bringing up and anything that's, that's not on this bullet list. You just disregard, you just push it in the background and that's that should really put the radar up for people mm-hmm. where they're like well what the hell the, i mean we had that uh, gert vandenbosch that that uh, uh he, he worked for bill and melinda gates foundation he worked for glaxo smith klein he worked for um uh, uh I mean, god just it, it was a it was a uh, treasure trove of of uh, pharmaceutical companies that he's had high you know directorships and whatnot, and he has this he's challenge. A
3: specialist in immune education. Yeah, and, and like he, if the immune system actually yeah, didn't work right, it needed here, some education.
0: Here, this guy even has a a dire warning regarding immune escape, and uh, uh, what happens the next day? He's trashed in the media, you know, and, and I'm like, okay. I, this guy is a pro vaccine person, and he's saying, hey there's a there's a problem here with the strategy that we're doing, and people shouldn't get these vaccines, but he's still disregarded and this guy has the the resume that you should be paying attention and and it's just it's just nutty it yeah. is nutty.
3: so he begs the question whose interests are being protected here?
0: Yeah who's interest when when bill Ga- bill gates says that uh, vaccines are the the most lucrative investment he's made
3: 20 to 1 20
0: to 1 investment you know and that was pre pandemic mm-hmm. uh, uh, returns i'm sure they're mm-hmm. much
3: higher <laughs> <laughs> and then he puts up a what is it event 201 <laughs> yeah which is a, what is it a simulation of a pandemic like a few months before the pandemic
0: <laughs> yeah well but we-,
3: we are conspiracy theorists yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, I, I will let you know that I did find out. So you guys can really pay attention to us even more because I actually have the same level of medical degree that Bill Gates has. Oh, so, so
3: do I. Yes,
0: yes. So we just found that out. We became certified from the same institution. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can trust the, everything we say just as much as you can trust what he says. So just know that. Um, anyway we're over an hour about an hour and ten so oh my goodness want to make sure that we don't go long I, I think we covered what we wanted to cover here today we did. We're, we're excited to be back season two we think we've got some some interesting uh, stuff that we're going to be bringing to the show we're not going to let it out of the bag because it's uh, uh, still kind of uh, in, the uh, works. in the works uh, and it's yeah. not all going to be COVID related it's going to be more life related <laughs> and stuff so if we can figure out how to get a life then, then <laughs> that's what's going to be uh reported on here as far as our adventures with our family and whatnot so stay tuned there but uh let me go ahead and play our outro music thank you for joining us for the collective resistance podcast fabi what do you want to say i
3: want to say stay healthy stay safe stay curious